parents and guardians, it's time once again for the Fearless Parenting Show. Well, well, welcome parents, moms, and dads, guardians to another episode of Fearlessly Parody. Back with us today, we have Lara Jalise. She did an outstanding job in the previous episode, so without further ado, here's Lara Jalise. Well, I think you had an additional point for us, if you want to delve off into that. There's a lot of talk about with children about how to, when a child fails, what we so call failure as failure in the traditional sense. I don't even really like to think of it using that word. I think of failure instead as feedback. Mm. Love it. Love it. Feedback, right? We, when children learn to walk, they are not successful. If you think about a child, they're not successful when they're learning to walk initially. They fall down. And they fall down a lot. And sometimes for weeks, for weeks. And you know what all that falling down is? Is that failure? Well, you could say so. The child's attempting to walk. But what they're getting is they're getting feedback. So for instance, when I'm standing up, and if I lean back too far, I will fall backwards. And if I lean too far forward, I will fall. Gravity. Gravity gives me, and it's it's gravity combined with how I know how to how to use my weights in space, the weight of my head relative to my pelvis with my my torso, right? And if I take my head too far back behind my pelvis, bam, I'm on my I'm on my tush. Uh, this is this is so true with little ones with their little stubbies walking around. Yeah, they get overbalanced. You see them fall. It, but you can't. Uh, you can't do their walking for them. They have to do their walking themselves if ever they are to learn how to walk. Yeah, yeah. And and there there's another whole thing to this a lot with with um, there are many times that I think that when when a child is not succeeding at something, for me as as a teacher, the first thing I ask myself is, does the child, have enough information? Do they have enough knowledge or skill to actually do what I'm asking of them? Or is it beyond the reach right now? Maybe they need a lot more stuff filled in. Maybe it's too far of a leap from what they do know. So I really need to look at what they do know now Mm -hmm. and go just a little bit within that, maybe introduce some variation and then maybe go a little bit, what's kind of just a little bit of a challenge, but very close to what they do know. So that then they can achieve that potentially. But if I'm having them jump way, way ahead, they're, they're not going to make it. They're not going to be able to do it. And this was one of the things that happened to me a lot with learning. And so just as an example, Stan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, do you know how to do a standing front flip? If you're standing on your feet, can you jump up and flip? Land on your feet. I, I could do a standing 
front flop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but not a flip. It's like I am not gonna stick the landing. The landing is gonna stick me. Right, right. Yeah. So if if I were to tell you that I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I'm gonna, I'm gonna t- teach you, I'm gonna attempt to teach you here the way that most people would teach you, the way most traditional ways would teach you how to do a front flip. Are you are you willing to learn right now? I'm willing to learn. Okay. Here we go. So I'm going to get, I'm going to come over there. I'm going to get three really strong guys. It's going to be the four of us. We're going to pick you up. We're going to flip you around and put you on your feet. You're going to start standing and we're going to flip you around. Now we're going to do that a few times. And while we're doing it, we're going to say, Hey, look, you're doing a front flip. Yay. That's a front flip. Terrific. Woo. And now we've, we've done it. Wait for you a few times. Now, you do it on your own. Go ahead. Do a front flip. Let's go. Your turn. Well, now I'll see it in my mind, do it, sticking the landing and throwing both hands up in the air. Uh, but it, it's still awfully hard for me to believe that I would be able to do that. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And actually asking you to do, asking you to do it would be an unsafe thing for you to do to attempt to do. So now I'm going to teach you the way now why, why you can't do it is because you don't have the necessary. It's not that you couldn't learn to do it and that you can't do it, but right now you are missing underlying components, underlying actually neural networks, which is uh, in the brain, the pathways in order to know what to do and how to do that. Now, instead, if I do it the way where I, you could be successful, I would take you on a journey, a learning journey. And first I would start with, can you do, I would just wonder, can you do a front somersault on the floor, just sitting on the lane on, you know, rolling on the floor. And some people can't, some people can. Well, if you, you couldn't, then I would work with you on how to, in order to do that, people have to roll up into a ball. They have to round their back, have to tuck their head. They have to bring their knees to their chest. Well, if you couldn't do that, then I would know we would work with that first until you could do that. And then from there, we'd say, well, can you jump? Because if somebody can't jump, there's no way they're going to be able to do a standing front somersault in the air. This is true. And can you jump high enough? That's another thing. Can you jump high enough? Can you jump high enough and tuck your legs? I mean, so all these things we would have to work on. And then finding a safe way to do it. So there's all these underlying things that you would have to understand first. And it's the same kind of thing if the child's learning math or or learning to read and write, or you want them to clean their room and you've you know that occasionally they maybe the room's just a mess all the time and you're like, okay, just clean your room. Well, in order to clean their room, they have to have the ability to organize their thinking. You have to think, okay, this has to move here and this has to go there. I mean, I think of it sometimes when I think about organizing my kitchen cabinets, I'm like, all right, where am I going to put, I, I just take everything out. I just did this recently. I took everything out. I said, okay, now it's not very efficient how I have, where I have my food, where I have my pots and pans. What, how am I, I had to really think about it. I had to spend some time really thinking. And sometimes children, many children do not have the ability to know how to organize well. So in that case, you help them do it. You do it with them. You show them, and it's not just once. They don't need it just once. They need it sometimes multiple times. Sometimes they're too tired to be able to do something too. That takes a lot of mental energy from them. Mm. 
So then that's another piece. If they're tired, they come home from school, they're tired. Their brains have been working all day. And then to want them to clean their room when they come home might be too much for them right then. Maybe that's a Saturday activity after they've had a little time playing and then you do a little bit together and you, and then you make, can make it a game where you pick up one piece and go, where should we put this? I mean, where does this go? It's your shirt. It's on the floor. Where do you think it goes? Is it dirty? Where does it go then? You know, and, and so you kind of, or oh, we can hang it up on a hanger. Okay. How do we do that? And, you know, so you, you kind of make it so that they have enough of the underlying components. So one of the things though, is knowing what your child does really know and where they are and where the starting place is. Well, if, if I understand you correctly, uh, in, in the Royal Ranger ministry, we always try to teach our leaders when working with boys to show them how to do it and tell them how to do it and then allow them to do it. Uh, but you add a extra component there. Uh, you know, you tell them how to do it. You show them how to do it. Then you come alongside of them while they're doing it and say, okay, how would you, what would you do with this pile of, of the dirty clothes here? And then allow them to give the answer because whenever somebody gives the answer, you know that they know it. Okay. So yes, that goes to the dirty clothes hamper and, what about this pile of clean clothes over here? Well, the pants we need to put on a hanger, the shirts we need to put on a hanger, and you walk them through the process. Then you let them go back and do it themselves and come in and give a little critique. And most importantly, uh, you have to remember they're not you. <laughs> they're not going to do it the exact way that you do it. But if it's effective, and it's efficient, even if it's not how you would do it, then let them do it in a way that it works for them. That's what I'm getting out of what you're saying. Uh, you can let me know if I'm wrong or right, or or if I'm in the uh, ballpark. Yes, yes. And what after you, so I think of it as, I think of it as I do it first. So I'll do it. Oh, I'm cleaning up your room. Oh, I'm putting your, and then I narrate everything I'm doing. I say everything that I'm doing. Oh, is it dirty? Is it clean? Everything I'm thinking, I do it first. It's an, I do. Then it's a, we do it together. Mm. Then it's a, you do it, but I'm there too with you while you do it some. And I'm going, oh, I see you're picking up that shirt. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if you're going to put it in the hamper or you're going to hang it up. I wonder, you know, you can even just narrate what they're doing. That's another thing that can be very effective. And the other thing is once you do it once with them, it's, it's still new in their brain. And when something is new, it's delicate. When we have something mm -hmm. that we've learned that's brand new, it's a delicate neural pathway in the brain. I think of it like a little cob, um, spider web strand. Gotcha, gotcha. And it's not deeply grooved yet. So we, what we need to do is we need to do close in time, not too long from that point where they just did it to do it again with them or something similar. Maybe it's now in the kitchen, you know, like, oh, you know, it's a dirty dish. I wonder where the dirty dish goes. Does it go in the cabinet? Does it go, I mean, you know, you can do an organizational thing in the kitchen. So that then, and then you go back to the room, but you have to do it close in time until it gets grooved in there and, and they're doing it regularly and you do it with them regularly until it's obvious that they just start doing it on their own and you're watching them do it on their own. 
So now when you tell them at that point, um, do you need to pick up your room? Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to go out there. I need to pick it up. I'm going to take care of it here. Or, hey, I need for you to uh, do the dishes. They know what to do. They know what to do. They go into it with confidence that they can actually do it. And a little bit of praise when they do a good job. And I'm not talking about a trophy for every kid because I, I don't believe in that. A lot of people don't believe in that. But when they accomplish a worthwhile goal, a, something that you've been trying to teach them, and they get to that point where they can clean that room, where they can do the dishes and the other chores that they have around, you need to praise them because you get more of what you praise than what you criticize. And the praising, it's really great if you say what they did. Oh my goodness, Love you cleaned the kitchen. <clears throat> the kitchen is so clean. Or wow, you really cleaned the kitchen. You did such a great job at X, cleaning the kitchen, cleaning up your room. And again, it's important to not ha- try to get them to do stuff when they're very tired or they don't feel well. Because that it's the brain just doesn't doesn't work that well when we're tired. We 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 just don't. We're we're done. <laughs> we need to we need to we need to rest. And the other thing is, can make it really fun. Like you can make cleaning the room fun. You can turn on one thing you could do is to always have a certain music kind of music or a certain song that you put on that's for cleaning up. So and when you play that song, you go, okay, it's time to clean up the room. You play the song, and then you're kind of dancing around, putting stuff away. You know, oh, it's time to clean the kitchen. Well, let's make it fun. I love it. I love it. it. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, where were you when me and my wife were much younger raising up our kids? (laughs) Where were you? (laughs) Very cute. No, but I love what you're, I love what you're saying. Uh, you, you, and you've taken it even beyond connection. Now you're engaging them in the activity and interacting with them. But the whole time you're teaching, you're mentoring, and you're being present in the moment with them. And when they learn to do these things in and of themselves, they become self-led. And they can lead themselves it taking care of the tasks and the chores that they have around the house. And we need to have chores. Uh, it, it's the beginning of letting people know uh, that you, know, you, you need to develop a work ethic. And this way you can teach your kids a work ethic, but you're also giving them opportunities to be praised. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. You, you've dropped a lot of good information on us a work ethic and being praised. And also, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't keep my house clean now that I'm an adult. If my parents hadn't taught me how to clean, I literally, I would live like a pig. <laughs> I was living a pigsty. So it's important for developing into being an adult. Can I just tell you one more story, Stan? Oh, please. Share okay. with us. You shared so much. Go continue piling that gold dog. Go ahead. Okay, well, I'm just thinking about the parents who might be thinking about things like uh, a child who might be struggling with something in school, like writing um, or reading. And I have a girl that I've been working with, and she's 10 years old, and her writing is illegible. 
the teachers don't know what to do with her. They didn't know what to do with her. And they just said, you know, we don't know what to do. And so her mom brought her and said, yeah, her writing. So I, what I did is I, I looked, okay, what is the child doing currently? You know, what is she doing currently? So I tried to pick something really easy for her to do. So I just said, okay, will you write your name? Cause sometimes when parent, when children aren't doing things well, they know it and they don't want to do it. Right. So I said, okay, let me pick something super sure. simple. Yeah. Cause we know we're failing at it. We know we're not doing well at it and we want to avoid the things we're not doing well. And we want to hide. I did this as a kid. I, when I was struggling with math, I tried to hide that I didn't know math. I, I remember the, the, a new teacher, she went around, she did the, the uh, addition flashcards and she just had every student answer. But I thought, oh my God. And I had no idea. And this was not addition. It was, um, yeah, yeah, no, it was subtraction, it was subtraction, carrying problems. Okay. And, and, and I didn't know how to do it. And so I remember that she got to me and my heart was pounding. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be humiliated in front of the entire class because they don't know the answer. She's going to say I'm doing it wrong. And what did I do? I, I said, I guessed, and, it, and, and she didn't say anything. And I thought, oh my God, I guess, I guess right. And, and then she came around the class and, oh my God, my heart was pounding again. And I was so sweating. And, 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 and I said, I guessed, and I guessed again. And she just went on. Well, she, she was very, very smart. She didn't say anything to me in front of the class. She waited until, and she just said, just, she greeted me at the door, every student at the door every morning. And she just said to me, Laura, can, can I just talk to you about something privately right, right, right at lunchtime? And I said, sure. So at lunch, all the kids were gone. And she said, I see you're struggling in math and I can help you catch up. Mm. And she said, I will give you some stuff to do at home and you can ask your parents for help. You just stay after class a few minutes every day. And I'm only going to give you enough homework to catch up. And you know, within two weeks, I was completely caught up. And wow. she saved, she saved all my humiliation. I caught up in that time. So uh, anyway, this girl that I've been working with, who's 10, she, uh, so I decided, okay, I got to pick something really easy and, and writing her name. Oh, the letters are, um, I, I look at it. The letters are not well-made formed. They're all over the page. They go down in this long curve and, and, and they're not on, I mean, it's just, it's just all over the place. So I, I mean, it was very hard to even read what she was doing. So I didn't correct her. I, the first thing I did was I noticed how she hold the, held the pen and she held it fisted. She's 10 years old. She held it fisted like children hold a spoon, you know, when they're first learning to, to eat. Right, and, right. and so and I didn't correct her yet. I still didn't correct her. You know what I did? I said, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And of course, I had different color markers. So she could pick the color. And I said, I'm going to pick a different color. And I picked a different color. I said, that's very interesting how you write. I've never seen anything like that. I'm going to write like you do. So I fisted my hand and I wrote the way she did. I did what she did. And then I said, hmm, you know how I write? I write kind of funny too. And actually I do write kind of funny <laughs> because no one showed me when I was a kid. I had to figure it out for myself. Another learning thing that I had difficulty with. So I, I showed her how I write and I said, well, I put it here and I touched my thumb and to the pen and everything. I said, can, can you try to do something like what I'm doing? Can you touch your thumb? Um, she's figuring it out and she's touching her thumb. I said, okay, now you try writing. I said, oh, wow, that's interesting. And then we played back and forth. Sometimes we did fisted. Sometimes we did it with, with the thumb touching. And we, we just kept doing, and I kept finding different things. I found that she pressed really hard, really hard. Yeah, 
I imagine you so with a fist. Yes. Yeah. So she's pressing like, I mean, like bearing down, you know, and, and she wrote so slowly. It was painful to watch. And so I said, oh, wow, look how big of a mark the marker's making. I'm going to write you. You're pushing down really hard. I'm going to push really hard. And so I did what she did. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to pretend that I'm my pen is ice skating on the paper. Then, oh, I love it. And then, so I said, can you ice skate with your pen? And then she started ice skating on the paper. And, and I said, oh, can you, can you do it with the fist now? Can you do it with your thumb touching? And pretty soon her, the, the, her writing started to evolve. And, and anyway, I've worked with her a couple of times, a couple um, intensive times. And which is means in Tesla's means a few lessons, uh, two lessons a day for three days in a row. And then I did it a couple, I've done it a couple of different months. The, the teachers say her handwriting is totally legible now. And it is. And she's writing on a line. I, I've, I helped her learn how to write without any lines there. On a blank piece of paper, she can write straight across the line now. Wow, parents, you know, I want you to hear this. She, she's not only walking the child through the process, she created a visual. She, she says, you know, pretend you're ice skating. And, you know, they can see the picture in their mind of skating around or, you know, just whatever word picture that you can give your child, because that's actually kind of one of the ways that we learn, don't mm -hmm. we, uh, is, is through word pictures. We, we don't see like red. We don't see R-E-D. We, we see red. And so I love how you're giving visuals in part of your intensive training with helping these children become the best version of themselves is truly outstanding. I love that point, Stan. And I've been experiencing this for myself. I'm learning to speak French and I I've been learning for quite a while. I want to be conversationally fluent. Okay. So I, I studied in high school, but they just, it was just for taking our AP exam and passing it, which I did. And then I stopped using French and, and I I'm struggling to learn it. And I realized it's partly the way I'm being taught. And I happened to find a teacher that does tells the story all in French, but she draws the pictures on a whiteboard of the story as it's happening. Love it. So I'm learning the picture of what the word means and the story. And it's, it's their, their cute stories. And so I'm actually retaining more and learning more than I was trying to practice it through the whole grammar and everything. And it's all through the visual process and experiencing the story, which is interesting and fun so one of the things that um, I just want to say is that kind of a way maybe to think about it for people is that figure out what your child does know and what they do understand and start from there. And then once you're there within that, start to introduce some variation within that. Start, start to play with it, explore that what they already know, some variation, because sometimes just doing that starts to open up new avenues and, and new ways of doing things. And then participate as though you're one of the participants, rather than our traditional models, I teach you, and now I'm doing it, now you go do it. No, be, be, be engaged, be part of the process with them. And then find something that's slightly a challenge from what they already know, but that's reachable, that's reachable. And then see if you can just, and don't make it like, go do that. It's better if, if as a teacher, if I say, oh, I wonder 
if we do this, if we put it there, can you do that? Do you think you can? And so it's more of a question. It's more of an open exploration. It's more of an I wonder. Oh, that's an excellent way to put it to a child to move them along in the way that they they need to go. Well, we've kind of reached the end of our segment here today, but I would love to have you back. I'm looking at doing later on in a year uh, a parent conference with local school districts where I want to have experts come in and uh, talk about different areas. And, you know, if you're interested in doing something like that, I would love to have you be a part of that. I'm putting it together now and uh, work, working it out in my head and getting it down on paper. But I, I think you would be a good fit for that. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to participate and, and work with the, the families and parents and, and teachers. Yes, it'd be wonderful, Stan. Thank you so much for all that you do. Really appreciate you. Well, it's uh, it's good to have guests on like yourself uh, to you know give new insights to parents, new ways of of doing things. Uh, some of the ways that we do things as parents, uh, we do the same thing again and again, and we're not getting any further with success. So, you know, what is the old saying when you? Uh, repeatedly do the same thing over and over and, and it fails. That's insanity. Sometimes you need to try something new in order to make that connection and move your child or teenager forward. Well, that's it, uh, parents and guardians. Until the next time we get together and talk, I want to challenge you to go out and fearlessly parent. God bless. God bless.